Welcome to Devon Dragon Radio. I'm your host, Emma Roostrak. I'm here with a special guest, Robert F. Okay, I can't pronounce your last name. Can you do that for it's me? It's Stephanus. Yeah, see, I would butcher that. <laughs> That's okay. I, I'm I here try to help. Not, yeah, I try not to butcher names if I don't have to. So, <laughs> you have a children's book out called The Corona Monster. Now, I can figure out the the inspiration for this, <laughs> but what makes this so age-appropriate? Let's put it that way. So, well, you know what's funny? I think actually anybody can relate to it. I think we're all in this together. So I, mm-hmm. while it's a, uh, a children's book, you know, focused on zero to six, I think, um, you know, anybody can kind of read it and get a little chuckle from it. But uh, the focus point really is for children to be empowered, to take a little bit of action here. Um, I wrote it really for my own children at first. It was a uh, after the first couple of days of being kind of locked down, my my children started to ask some questions like, "When are we gonna, you know, when are we, when are we gonna be able to go back outside? When is school going to start again? When can I see, you know, uh, our grandparents? Things like that." So. I put, um, I've been working on some children's books. Uh, they're in different stages. And mm-hmm. uh, this kind of like kind of took precedent for me because the end goal is to, you know, to help and to provide educators and parents and families with some resources to have open discussions on what's going on. And more importantly, how do you take, you know, how do you empower children to take some action? You know, they don't want to be left out too, right? Mm-hmm. So this also allows them to, uh, understand the importance of, you know, washing your hands, covering your cough and sneeze, creating social distance. That's a new concept for children, right? You know, most children, uh, we teach them the opposite, you know, uh, hug and, you know, hold hands and those types of things. Mm-hmm. And now we're saying, you know what, for, you know, to be a little bit safe and make sure we don't get sick, we need to, you know, create a little bit of distance here. Right. It's a new concept for so many people to be separated from most of society. So right. <laughs> I think any adult that's going through a hard time right now with this whole virus should actually pick up some children's books, yours included, just to go through, hey, maybe we need to change our thinking just a little bit. You know, that's a you know, that's an excellent point. I've been someone who's, you know, now writing children's books you know, you're constantly reading them and so many great titles and wonderful messages and they, they, they could resonate with a lot of people right now. Simple things like the one, the concepts in my book, but even, you know, being, you know, uh, neighbors, good neighbors, good Mm -hmm. citizenship, things like that, where right now we need all people to take a little bit of, you know, a little bit of responsibility, right. And, and help each other out in, in, in this time. And there's so many great, wonderful messages that you can can be found in children's books. Exactly. I think there's more positive messages in children's books that need than there are in adult books. Right. Absolutely. I think the messaging is very important. I think a lot of uh, children authors try to, you know, create some type of message or a takeaway, right, mm-hmm. something that you're right. going to – in part with the child as they after they read the story. Obviously, creativity and illustration is, is so critical in storytelling, but I think messaging is, is equally important. Correct. I mean, 
Okay, we have the coronavirus. We need to teach the kids about it. I was actually watching something last night where overseas, instead of, of the displacement camps because of the virus, the workers are dressing up as a virus to teach the kids about the virus in a way that they understand. You know, I think bringing it to their level right, to making sure, I, I, I always say this, this is something I say, the best instructional information uh, resources and tools are, are normally created for children, right? It's, uh, I call it kid-friendly, you know, information so children can absorb it and understand it and relate to it. So that's fantastic. I think it's also everything that's going on, it also has presented opportunity to be a little bit extra creative, especially with our children. And the schooling that has shifted to, you know, more homeschooling and distance learning. I think educators, I think families are being a little bit more creative in their approach. And I, I welcome that. And I, when I hear stories like the one you just said, I think it's fantastic. Yeah, we are all getting creative. Within the first two weeks, we got very creative raising kids at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a shift, right? And there was a lot of, a lot of people, you know, I, I think they gave us, the first phase of it was, you know, telling us that it was going to be, you know, a few weeks indoors and everybody, you know, yeah, everybody got creative and everybody was okay with it. But now, you know, as we start to shift, another thing the book I think addresses, um, and it was intentional, is, you know, the mental well-being, right? Mm -hmm. Because now as we shift in isolation, we've been in this for now over eight weeks, um, you know, things start to get a little frustrating. And I think, you know, we're, we're also looking for books and material and, and ways to, you know, to, to reinforce messaging, right, to reinforce mm -hmm. the, the concept that we need to continue on just a little bit more because things are getting better. You know, the tide is turning a little bit and the numbers decrease every single day. So we're hoping that, you know, the messaging continues on and, and, and we continue to take action. So the, the mental well-being, I think, is very important for children to keep that positivity kind of rolling. Right. And the thing is, right now, we have, we're going into summer. So we have all the nice weather. So what do we want to do during the right nice weather? We want to socialize. But right. we're so you have to really enforce your mind. No, we still need to keep our distance for safety. But it's okay to socialize. Just do it in a safe manner. If we're teaching the kids now, we're going to have our kids go, "Mommy, Daddy, don't do that. Remember." We need to be this distance. My daughter does this when she was little. She still does this to an annoying degree now that she's a teenager. If there's something I'm doing that isn't right, she'll stop. No, Mom, you're not supposed to do that. Right. You know, putting the, you know, reinforcing and putting the brakes on and mm -hmm. reminding that mm -hmm. this, you know, it's not over. You know, we're, you know, things are getting better, but we you know, we still have a little bit of distance to go. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying also seeing additional information come out, uh, kind of like the book that I wrote, that's helping to, again, to, to support the isolation, to support the mental well-being, letting parents know that uh, there are, you know, great resources out here that, that are available. And uh, I, I think it's great. I think the more information that we have, uh, at our fingertips, and and again, putting it into into a format that's that's relatable. 
if it's not relatable and, you know, ch- children don't find it somewhat entertaining and engaging, uh, they're not going to, well, they're not going to read it, but they're also not going to, you know, participate in the opportunity to, I keep saying it, you know, empowering them to be little superheroes, right? And I, you know, I have a saying that, you know, every child is a superhero in waiting or in training, right? They're trying to earn their cape. And if we give them the right tools to do that, that they can go out and they can make a positive difference. And that's really what the, the title was all about. Exactly. Now, you said you write other children's books. Are those out or are they coming out? Yeah, so I have been working on, so, you know, uh, I was talking to someone yesterday and we were uh, after, and they were talking about, you know, writing and the writing process and things like that. So uh, I've always enjoyed writing, you know, personally. I think mm-hmm. it's, uh, it has, you know, so many uh, gifts in, in, intrinsically, right? Therapeutic gifts, uh, you know, uh, again, mental well-being, also expression. And uh, I've always been someone who, who, who has written personally. And uh, when I went uh, and, uh, into my dissertation and uh, to complete my doctorate program, academic writing is, uh, is sometimes painful. And that process kind of took, took the writing life out of me. And um, so I took a little bit of, uh, of a break after I finished my dissertation. Uh, reading and writing, just I needed that little just, you know, kind of decompress transition, you know, back to more personal writing. And uh, I had some projects in the pipeline that I started working on uh, because I'm doing both. I'm doing the writing and illustration. So that takes, you know, that takes a little bit of time. I wasn't an illustrator, you know, by, you know, trade. You know, it's not something that I I have an inherent ability to do. So there was a lot of learning and uh, testing and trying and and learning the different uh, software applications. So, I've had two that I've been working on, and then this came up, and I and the messaging and and the um, the story kind of just kind of came to me as I was again helping my own children. So this kind of took precedent, and I put the other two kind of back on the back burner again, um, and just started this week to pick it back up. They are in different phases. Uh, I have a title that I'm hoping to release this summer uh, called uh, Lady P's First Day. And it's about my uh, very little energetic four-year-old who will be entering kindergarten come the fall. Um, and it's interesting because I already had it in my mind what it would look like. And mm-hmm. now that everything has changed, I'm kind of revisiting a lot of the storyline and the scenes because kindergarten could look very different for children in the fall. So uh, I'm taking, you know, I'm taking another look at that. And then I have another series that's more sports-related, uh, children learning new sports and the challenges, challenges and opportunities that come with uh, trying something new, and that's going to be out in the winter. So they're, they're in different stages, coming along very nicely, and uh, both uh, you can see some of the artwork and some of the storyline on my website. Awesome. And the name of your website is? It's drdefinis.com. D-R-D-E-F-I-N-I-S dot com. Awesome. Now, we, <clears throat> your books are geared toward zero to kindergarten, basically. Now, what does your children say about your books? So, you know, I think <clears throat> yeah, they're my best critics, you know. Um, I show them different pieces of it or, you know, different um, – this 
uh, it's actually called how to how to defeat the icky, filthy, creepy, slimy Corona monster. And when I I started to write it, it was actually in stanza, so it had a rhyming pattern. And I, I enjoy that. It's you know some people think you know it's easy to rhyme, but you have to kind of you know you're 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 kind of exploring and expanding and trying to figure out kind of what fits, but also how to you know, make the, the story kind of pop off the page because there's going to be illustration to it. So when I started to do this, uh, I started with the stanza. And I think also by putting it in rhyming format, it it allows the child to also remember pieces mm-hmm. of it, right? Because, they're right. you know, they're going to repeat it and rhyme it. And it's going to kind of, it's like a little bit of a mantra that kind of gets stuck in their head. So my daughter loved it. Uh, my son, he started, he's like, well, why don't you try this and do this? And I love it because he's, you know, he's, he has a very creative mind and taking his suggestions and, and things like that. And also, it empowers him to be part of the project. So mm-hmm. they've enjoyed this last one. I, you know, I show them always, you know, uh, some of the art concepts and some of the, the storyline. And, uh, and they, they are, you know, they are big time readers. They love, they love books. So it's nice to be able to, you know, make that connection with them, sharing my work and also the work of others. Awesome. So, <clears throat> now I know my, I write for teens normally, teens and to adults. My daughter loves being proud of the process, but at the same time, she's getting to the point of, Mom, I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Your story isn't as intriguing for me because I know everything. <laughs> <laughs> She's a teenager, right? <laughs> right. Your typical 17-year-old. She, The first three books, she was my editor. The first three books, she was helping me with the uh, everything. <clears throat> so... Now I'm into the fourth book. I'm struggling with the cover design because I keep going back and forth between what I'm wanting in as an illustrator, what I want to show and what I don't want to show on the cover. And then I'm going back and forth with the story. I'm like, I don't have her to bounce the story off of. Like I had for the first three, so I'm struggling. <laughs> You know, there are so many, I think, because we're all connected now with, Mm -hmm. you know, digital and social media and groups and pages, there are fantastic resources out there just to drop a line on, you know, a, uh, an author's page to say, hey, listen, I, you know, I have a concept idea, Um, you know, can I run it by a group of people? Anybody interested in reading a page or two? And you'd, you'd be so surprised, right, to see the network of people out there that are kind of uh, just willing to kind of support other authors. Another thing that I was blown away with, um, I went, a, I took a different approach with this. So by using other uh, platforms that aren't necessarily, I would say more mainstream mm-hmm. and putting it out there and making it available, it kind of like it, it took off. And now I have tons of people asking to do read-alouds or translate it into another language. And that also gives, I think, an author an opportunity, 
not only to showcase and share their work, but also to get creative feedback for their next project. Things I didn't even think of doing in this particular book that I'm definitely going to do for the next two because I received that, that, that level of feedback. And I think, I think I know when we're writing something, it doesn't matter if it ever gets out into the universe, but we're very protective of our work, right? We don't, sometimes it's like maybe too protective, but I think if we, we release some of it, we allow people to give a little bit of peer review feedback or even just kind of, you know, putting together a little focus group of teenagers to say, hey, listen, what do you think about this chapter? And getting that feedback, I think, you know, it's going gonna, it, gonna to be so valuable to your project. Exactly. Well, with translation, I'm actually, here's another thing. I'm doing translations for my publishing house. I mean, there's only like 12 of us, but with 12 of us, there's like 50 books. <laughs> so, right, I'm like, right. so I'm like, oh, this is a huge undertaking doing all the translations because I'm trying to do it myself as I know the languages that I'm trying to translate into. But at the same time, I'm like, uh, 50 books is a little daunting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a big, I mean, that's a big undertaking. I mean, we're not talking children's books. I mean, a children's books I can have done in a couple of days because there's, what, six lines per book or per page, maybe? Right, right. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot easier translating a children's book into foreign languages than a full-length novel. Yeah, no, that's, um, I mean, and that's a, that's a huge undertaking. And I would suggest, you know, I think that there is a lot of opportunity out there. I had a, um, a young lady reach out to me uh, from, she's, you know, she lives in Spain and she's, uh, you know, she's a college student and she's like, hey, listen, can I take the book and uh, for a class project, I like, to, I like to translate it into uh, Spanish and Portuguese. And I'm like, go at it. Like, I mean, I'm not going to stop you. And, mm-hmm. and so I think that there's there's also opportunities out there again by putting you know putting the work out there or putting the the quarry out there and saying hey listen this is what I'm looking for is there anyone out there uh, that has this particular skill set and you'd be you know and you know you'd be surprised mm-hmm. how many people are going to reach out to you and and they want to help um, you know they want to help and they want to if you're in literacy and you're and you love books and you love you love explaining and storytelling and narrative. Uh, I think that you're going to find a, a good community of, of like-minded people to support you. Exactly. Authors are, okay, we are either a very strong community or we have our broken links, <laughs> I'll so call them. We have the ones that are a very tight-knit community. We're very protective over each other's work, and we truly want to see each other succeed. Then our broken links are the ones that give us negative everything because there is it's not something wrong with us it's something wrong with the way they're perceiving or taking our feedback to their work it's not we're attacking anyone we're trying to give you an honest feedback we respect you and want that feedback back yeah, with feedback, I think, you know, <clears throat> I always say this, you know, uh, you can take it or leave it, right? Mm-hmm. So I always, I'm always on the opinion of get your work out there, let get, get the feedback, bring it in. And then I always say, you know, if two or three people are telling me that, well, you know what, I wouldn't do this or I would change that, it's probably good sound advice, right, that right. you might want to 
consider another way forward. But also, you know, there are times, even with this title, you know, I had a few people in the industry take a look at it. And, you know, they were like, you know, I used one or two words where they're like, you know, that might be a little bit higher or above uh, the reading, you know, the, the reading level of, uh, of the, um, you know, the children who are going to, you know, read this book. And um, so what I went back and did, and I was like, you know, that's a good point. And I went and I started to, I went back into books, you know, I started to read, you know, I, I pulled a, a dozen or so books out of off the, you know, the children's shelf. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, here's the feedback and here's what I'm reading. And there were some words in there and I'm like, you know what, this is, this is well above a kindergartner. Does it make sense to take out or should I be exposing the child to something new, a new word? There's, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity for a parent who's reading a book to a child to stop and explain what a bystander is, you mm-hmm. know, because they've never, you know, they've never come across that word. So I left, I took, I took some of the feedback, used it, fantastic. Some of it I said, you know what, I'm going to continue on this path. And I think as the creative person behind any story, you know, you take and you choose and you, you look at the support and, and you reflect on it, and, and then you have to make the ultimate decision. Exactly. We, no matter what you're doing, feedback is just feedback. You can take it or leave it. It doesn't matter if it's the color of your hair or something you're writing. It's up to you to decide what feedback you're going to listen to. Now, you don't want to listen to just all the positive. You have to listen to the negative and go, okay, think about it. And like we said, is this sound device or is this something that... No, I want to leave it. Correct. And uh, you know, at the old, at the end of the day, you know this. I mean, you're you're going to answer to the reader, so mm-hmm. uh, you have to be open to the idea that you're, you know, you're you're adaptable to some type of change. And if you're not, then you accept the responsibility and you move on. Correct. It's going to be. What does the reader say? We we as authors. We need feedback. We need reviews. We need the reader connection. We make ourselves so openly available to our readers so we can connect with you, so we can get that feedback. What are your children saying about this children's book? What are you saying about this teenage book? What are you saying about the romance novel that you're reading? We need that feedback for one so we can grow as an author, and two, so we can get the next book fine-tuned to what the readers are expecting. And I, I agree with that last point so strongly. This has, been a, uh, this has been a wonderful learning opportunity for me, and I'm glad that the two books that I'm working on, they're passion projects. They've taken a good a chunk of time, and I have not, you know, I haven't really released a lot of the information out. And then I moved forward with this one pretty aggressively, and this has uh, been a learning opportunity, but also it's going to make the other two pieces so much better. So I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Exactly. We learned from our first book. Whatever the first book is that we publish, it can be complete trash and we get negative food bucks up the wall, or it could be great but needs to be fine-tuned. We learn from that feedback, so the next two books, the next ten books are better. Each one grows. It doesn't matter if it's a children's book or an adult book. We grow by our feedback. Correct. 
Correct. And then we also grow by what's happening around us because right now with being creative, there's 20,000 things that we can write about. <laughs> yeah, and and I think um, for me the uh, taking a pause and looking at what's kind of going on is already created for me to, to change and adjust the next uh, the next book I'm working on. I had a, you know, in my mind I, I envisioned how it would look and the characters and the storyline. And then, interestingly enough, that might not actually resonate now Right with Mm -hmm. readers of the future where children might be, you know, wearing masks in school or the school day will look very different or maybe we don't return in the fall. And so my concept of a traditional school day could also uh, need to change. Right. So I need to change, you know, my approach to the story as well. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, we don't know what this fall is going to look like for kids. We really don't have a crystal ball. We can go back and do from beginning of the school year back what it would have looked like, but we don't know what it's going to look like this year. So we're all waiting on feedback. A lot of it's going to come from news, unfortunately, (laughs) but (laughs) how things are going to happen in school. So that affects our children's books, our our. Miss Piggy books now going to have a mask when they go out shopping. Just throwing that out there for I don't know if there's a Miss Piggy book out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know? yeah, that's a good that's a good point. You know, because now the child when the child reads the book, they're going to say, well, you know, why don't they have a mask on, or why aren't they doing X, Y, and Z? Because the new world that we're going to be approaching, you know, it's going to be different for you know a time period while we're adjusting, still learning. Mm-hmm. and um, But it also creates opportunity, like you said, the creative space there's going to be. Interestingly, you know, I was, um, you know, now I'm coming across like titles, and I love it, you know, and I'm like, great, more people are in this space. It's going to bring attention. It's going to bring, you know, necessary resources. So I welcome uh, like, like titles and uh, creative ideas around, you know, this particular topic. I welcome it. Exactly. We need to have more like-minded individuals out there (laughs) to get some of these messages across. But we're almost out of time, so one more time, where can our listeners find you? So I think the best resource to get in touch or to uh, get a copy, either print or digital, would be on my website, again, drdefinis.com. Uh, the title is on a variety of platforms uh, right now. Smashwords. Just you know, type in the author, my last name, and you know it'll pop up my my book there. And um, I am doing a uh, you know a couple different promotions. All all uh, portions of money raised with this title also is going back to those that are you know negatively impacted by the uh, coronavirus, specifically those organizations that are helping families during this time. Uh, That's near and dear to me, and I want to make sure families, teachers, educators, people in my space are are supported. So the portions of all proceeds uh, for digital copies are going, you know, right to those organizations. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Thank you so much for having having coming on my show today. Yeah, my brain just went, like, blank while I was talking. That's wonderful. It's okay. It's still early. It's still a little early. So you're 
You're okay. And thank you for having me. I definitely enjoy sharing my story, and I love what you're doing out there for uh, literacy and authors as well. Uh, I'm trying to get as many authors some coverage as possible during this time because what more can we do but read? Yeah, we have yeah we have plenty of time to open up a really good book and and you know even you know from a children's perspective share a good book with a child I think it's a great time so I agree exactly so for all of our listeners happy reading.